0: Before we start this podcast, I want to definitely remind you of a sponsor for Fresh of the Word, 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. It looked to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams, along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest. In the world of wrestling, where there's hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads... Don't get lost in a sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20x20 20 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. So if you'd like to discuss a possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or even zubaz, then drop them a line at 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20 x the number 20apparel.com. And also check out their enamel pin line. It's super cool.
1: Fresh is the word
0: Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of topics and the freshest of guests for you. The guest for this episode is Cammie Gilbert, vocalist of the Houston prog metal band Oceans of Slumber. They just released their newest self titled album this past Friday via Century Media Records. We talk about the new album, the importance of being a black woman fronting a metal band, her musical influences, the cathartic nature of heavy metal, in releasing this album during the Black Lives Matter civil rights movement. Usually during these intros, I have something that I want to talk about, promote, or whatever. But I, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about this time. But the weird thing is, is like, earlier today, I wrote this, usually, usually over on my other uh, podcast, Renaissance Soul, my Detroit music podcast, every day on Instagram, I'll do the... Renaissance Soul Detroit Music History Post of the Day, where I post a like a CD or a record or whatever that I actually own and give some information about it, any historical information. Um, so today I actually did like Eminem's Slim Shady LP, but you know everybody knows you know a lot about that you know. So I didn't talk about the album itself, but more a story that I had around that album in regards to the to the an in store that eminem had at record time in roseville michigan shortly after the um the release of of that album that album came out on february 23rd of 1999 so that either it was in february or march perhaps i'm not exactly sure the date that this uh that they had this in store and it was such a fun day and i wrote a, i went to go write this piece like just as a post on instagram but it was so long that i just had i, I couldn't fit it all in there so i just wrote a piece and posted it up on the fresh thepodcast.com um um website so you can go in there and read it but um i actually kind of want to like tell you the story right now like while we're before uh you know we get into this interview um, you know, the thing was, okay, so shortly after the release of the Slim Shady EP, they do this in-store at Record Time Roseville, I'm um, I bring, I bring a bunch of stuff with me, I actually forgot to put that in the, uh, in the story, um, I brought my newly purchased Slim Shady LP on vinyl, but I, I also brought my cassette tapes of Infinite, and the Slim Slim Shady EP, and first off, he was like, you know, when I finally got up there, he was like, "Whoa, you got the oh, you got the you got the underground stuff, blah blah blah." But um, here's here's how the story, you know, here's here's everything that I tell in the in the post. When we, when I go there with my with one of my closest friends at that time, Steve Newhouse. Um, this is my my senior year of high school at uh, East Detroit High School. This is going on. The the line is all wrapped around the aisles inside of Rocker Time, and like this is and put 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 some context into this, like this is before my nickname's K Fresh, uh, in high school I had I had a uh, my my nickname was, Rap Star and it was given to me by one of my uh, my 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 classmates Joe Maxinowski. I think he was kind of being a dick about it, but he was kind of like a dick every day about that to me. He was like a friendly dick you know he's like he was just always like poking fun at me because like i was like the in my vast knowledge of you know rap and hip-hop you know in high school i was that guy so like if you look at like if you look at my uh my on the on the website on freshthepodcast.com there's a picture of the uh, slim shady LP and it says um you know to rap star like rap star was my nickname in, in in high school that Joe gave me, and <laughs> the the fun, so like me and Steve are waiting in this uh, in this line, and for some reason during the, the, their waits in record time, Bible by Killer Priest is is looping, and nobody like paid attention in the store. It just kept on going over and over again, and. Because of that, me and Steve were obsessed with the song. After that, um, you know, Bible. It was, it was, it was on Liquid Swords from Jiza on the CD version. I don't think it was on the cassette version, um, and it was. I think it might have been on the vinyl versions. You know, and it was probably on Killer Priest's album. So, like, w- the craziest thing that stood out though, waiting in line, was that, like, we ran into. You know, there was a couple girls that uh, we knew um, that we went to high school with that um you know they were further up in line one was this girl named Kristen Mashaki yeah i had a little bit i had a bit of a crush on her i thought she was pretty i thought she was fine but i was like i never told her For some reason i feel like she kind of liked me but i i never said anything but i remember her being in line man she was looking good and i was like that like that really sticks out on me like, <laughs> but we we like we were chatting with them even though they were like kind of like 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 thirty feet away. We we're like, oh yeah, blah, blah blah, and I think you know I think I you know in hindsight I recognized a few other people that worked at Record Time during that time before I even met them like House Shoes and whatnot. So it, it was it, it was cool. So I finally get to the front of the line. Um, I give them you know the stuff you know like I had two Infinite, I had like an Infinite, some shade EP, my uh my some shady lp vinyl and and uh like he's like wow yo you got the underground stuff blah, blah blah and he asked me you know what what to make it out to you know and i was like yo the rap star and he's like yo he asked if i if i rap and i said i was i was fronting like i you know a little bit you know a little bit you know <laughs> like i really didn't but me and my friend steve we were trying to be rappers he was doing it better than i did but i was like too scared to even like write rhymes and stuff um, so like he asked if I can rap to him, and I'm like, I don't remember. I did. I don't remember what I rapped, but I had a fun time doing it. He was mad cool. Gave me a dab. He was like fun to talk to, and like he, um, you know, he, he signs it to Rap Star. You're signed, Slim Shady. You know, so I, I don't. It's possible that I could still be signed to, to Shady Records or Aftermath or something. Shady Records probably. All this time, and I didn't even realize it until I, I saw my saw that vinyl recently. I was like, "Oh, dude! He, oh, you said you're signed, man! Oh, shoot!" <laughs> Anyways, it was such a fun in store. Like I missed those in stores. It was like really, it, like he like. M talked to everybody that come up to, like that was, it was like super cool. Everybody had fun that day. My friend Steve was like jocking me for weeks. He was like, dude, you repped Eminem. (laughs) It was was so cool, man, because it was this exciting time for me because, uh, because, you know, Detroit hip hop was going in this new direction. It was getting a lot more attention and I was just starting to discover it all up close. I, you know, I, from you know, from a distance I had like known Detroit hip hop stuff from like and rap stuff from like seeing what's at record time and some local magazines, but now I just kinda of seeing it up close. This is probably a story I should tell on, on the Renaissance Soul podcast, but it was just like I had nothing else to uh that I really wanted to talk to in this intro. So I wanna share that story because I wrote this post like, if you want, like, a more, comp you know, cohesive story, go to freshesthepodcast.com and read the actual story that I wrote, and it uh, might make a little bit more sense than what I told right now. But I wanted to tell it, too, you know, and I didn't want to make a whole episode about it, so I just did it now. Okay. <sighs> the world is in a weird place these days, and, the you know... California's burning and there's still people and just people are just dying. It's just like, it's not like, Oh, they might make it, you know, thoughts and prayers. Like, you know, we need your positive energy. It's like, Nope. They're like one day they're here. Next day they're, they're gone. You know? So yo, just try to just, just try to, try to, be just don't regret anything if you want to do something constructive do it and let's just be kind to each other so yeah all right let's start the show you know after a uh word from our sponsor we'll get into this interview with cammy gilbert lead vocalist of the Prague metal band oceans of slumber All right, welcome back to the Fresh of the Word podcast, and like always, we have the freshest of guests for you, and the guest for this episode is vocalist from the Houston-based prog metal outfit, Oceans of Slumber. Her name is Cami Gilbert, and they have a new album out. It's self-titled, so uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, thanks for coming on the show, Cami.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Great. All right, um... I, you know, I heard the album's really good. Um, going into this album, you know, what was sort of your thoughts, the, the thoughts of the band on what you wanted to do with this album?
1: We really wanted to expand on what we incorporated, like the full versatility of our musicality, um, really not setting any borders or having any boundaries on uh, what we were trying to include. Um, we had new members, they were super enthusiastic, they had this fresh energy that they brought to the songs, and so, you know, we went as harsh and hard as we wanted to, and we whipped out some ballads and things as well, so we wanted to just really incorporate it all.
0: When, I mean, this, you know, this band is very, you know, unique. Uh, I think these days we're seeing a lot more of, of... Um black artists dipping their toes more into back into hard music into rock music you know what's your you know what's your thoughts about that and what's your thoughts about you know just the importance of being a a woman and a black woman fronting a metal band
1: um i i'm i mean i i love it i feel like it you know, it's the most satisfying genre that I could belong to. Um, it gives me room to sing in every way that I could imagine. Um, I could growl if I I have growled, but I could growl more if I wanted to and you know, it it lets me sing like a songbird all the way to a a weird creature from like the loon. So, you know, it's it's incredibly satisfying. I think as more black artists get into metal, they find that, you know, to me, it's, it's less about the technicality and the signature of the sound as, is, as it is as much about the vibe and the emotions that go into it. I think, you know, from Blackbeat, Growl, electric guitar are like the foundation of metal. But along, like, that's like the technical musical side. But I feel like on the emotional side, it's like it's angst, it's anger, it's all these emotions that don't get validation and like mainstream perspectives. And so I think that it, it, it has a, a home to a lot more people than realize it right now, but yeah i I hope that, as an example of you know my background not necessarily being metal, I think I have a very metal adjacent vibe about me, but with my background not being metal, it, it doesn't mean that my voice can't contribute to what the genre has or how the genre expands. You know it's about especially for being an American band, I think that there's a lot of room for us as a metal scene to to grow and, and have our own roots. And like you said, with it, with it being more of like a return for black people to get back into rock and then what rock has become as metal, I think, you know, makes perfect sense.
0: You know, what would you say your roots come from?
1: I grew up in a pretty religious household and so I didn't get to explore uh, cannibal corpse and things. <laughs> but I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> look what the... What so... is this?
1: <laughs> yeah, and so there is a lot of gospel, um, g- generalized gospel, and then soul, blues, R and B. Um, my dad was a local kind of jazz, blues musician, and so I grew up with uh, a lot of his playing and piano and things that he liked to listen to. And then my mom was a big fan of you know all the the strong crooners and women of, uh, that would belt and things like Aretha Franklin. Whitney Houston, um, Nina Simone, like Minnie Ripperton, like all that. So I, I grew up with such a wide range of of vocalists that had such an expertise, that but also didn't seem formal. And right. then my, and then as I got older and was like a, a, kid of the, a kid of the '90s, I was total grunge rock, plaid t-shirt heaven. <laughs> a little on the younger side, obviously. I wasn't like running off to garage parties in like seventh grade but <laughs> i love the the rawness of like you know audio slaves and early alice and chains and like their voices to me were incredibly soulful right and they found it so they found it southern you know even though they're, they're from up north but like they had such a country folk like modern vibe to their voices and they clearly weren't like formally trained and so these 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 emotions kind of tied together for me it was process of what I felt like my voice could do and what I could do with my voice. And so I, I kind of brought that all into Oceans of Slumber.
0: When did you first get a sort of inkling that you wanted to do music? You wanted to be a vocalist?
1: I loved singing. Like, I talk about first love is singing. I was a loud baby. I would <laughs> scream and, like, throw things. And my mom, my grandpa called me Bam Bam because he didn't realize that Pebbles was the girl <laughs> uh, and Bam 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 was the boy but I would scream and throw stuff I think they'd call me Bam Bam and I was a crazy child but I, I don't ever remember not singing I remember making all my family sit down uh, we'd go up north to visit my family in Chicago I'd make them all sit in the living room the formal room and force and I would sing to them but I would sing the never ending song uh, like <laughs> Lamb Chop uh. <laughs> and they would be like, please stop. And I'd, my cousins would cry that I would make them listen to me sing. So I just, I've i always loved singing. I oh. never thought about necessarily being a performer, but I i loved performing. And so, but it, just, it didn't seem like a realistic outlet until I met, until I got much older, I had my first kind of band and then I met Dauber. And I was like, you really can do this if you want to. And, right. you know, he's like, I'll show you how. And so I took that trust ball and. I
0: haven't been disappointed. Uh, Before, you were talking about sort of the outlet that rock music can have. um, And, you know, especially for, you know, any, you know, black people that want to be a part of it in in comparisons to um, just mainstream music. But, you know, also in black communities, um, there is still, you know, a lot of, there's kind of a stigma about showing your feelings that, and um, there's been a lot of that throughout, you know, generations. Um, you know, and as you know, black women also have to kind of hold on to a thing about protecting black men, and just, there's layers to a lot of that, you know, that our society kind of puts on to uh, the black communities. Like, what sort of like what has music done for you in that regards, and what what do you f- feel like? Just in general, you know, if the black community can expand and go back to a lot of these these forms of art and forms of music that they either started or helped you know plant the seeds in regards to generations ago, could sort of lessen you know their anxiety as a whole.
1: I think that's a, a great question. Um, I think that there are a lot of Pressures within the black community to appear and be a certain way, and to define what our culture is. Um, and sometimes I think that that creates more boundaries than it does abilities for growth.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you know, metal would metal provides such a emotional outlet for me, and has taught me the reward and the the healthy pursuit of being vulnerable with my emotions. You know, I speak pretty openly about battling depression and the different experiences that we've gone through because they they not only help me release them and, and analyze and kind of digest them, but they help other people who see that they're not alone with those emotions. I think given the history of, of black culture in America, I can see why there would be such a stance on, you know, appearing Strong and and not having that those vulnerabilities show because you know they could be taken as a a weakness. But as as the black community can find more stability and find more support, then maybe you know that disarming can kind of happen, and and as a whole, more black people can kind of seek these other outlets to fulfill and answer some of these callings. That you know a big a big part of growing up, I think that religion plays a big part and I know that metal and religion don't really, they kind of contradict each other pretty yeah. aggressively. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I think that also plays a significant role in, you know, my, my mom, we had to have a long talk about how growls weren't inherently demonic. <laughs> <So it's>
0: like <laughs> you, you weren't, you weren't tapping into, to, to the devil, you know, you weren't like yeah. summoning the devil
1: at those times. And when I would get her lyrics to different songs, she's like, oh, this is really poetic. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think there's, there's quite a few variables that sort of limit that exposure and limit that outlet uh, fully. But I think that it's within the Black culture if, if you could find that love, because I feel like with metal comes that love for playing instruments, for being so authentic and so intertwined with making the music and performing the music versus... What pop culture has with backing tracks, or you know, um, just not not playing rock instruments. It's like getting back into the soul and the angst and the outlet that 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 is because it is so unique and it is so raw. But I mean, ob- obviously, with with the way things are, we have a long way to go. But I, I think slowly but surely, there's. I've seen more even with my time in the band, like year over year and exponential growth and how many black metal heads or just metal heads of color that have popped up with their own pages or reached out to the band. They seem relatively young. Right. But there's still a growing number of them.
0: Yeah, there's like this new generation of young you know, black folks that are like, yo, like I dig this, you know, and I want to Mm -hmm. embrace it. A lot of times, you know, previous generations people might dig something that wasn't necessarily, you know, you know, thought of as something that black people should like and they had to like kind of be secretive about it.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as
0: being a, uh, you know, a black front woman, did you, you know, throughout your you know journey with this band um, did you ever get any um you know have to go through any obstacles being that metal can be you know is, is predominantly like white and male and then did you get any um you know pushback from just the black community in general being that you're you know frontina metal band
1: um i so i, I feel like in general like there it it isn't like overt pushback or it's like aside from terrible youtube comments there hasn't been in 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 real life or face-to-face any like opposition i think that there's it's more generalized where you know it's like it's a predominantly male white male genre that when people come across like an image of us or a video of us i don't think that they're it's that lack of familiarity that I think makes people a little bit more defensive or um, hesitant to give us a, a, listen or give us a try versus if a band was more stereotypical of what they would expect. Right. Be- because I think, you know, aside from the, like, I'm not wearing like a big ball gown or something in it, so they can't like assume that I'm a sim- that we're like a symphonic metal band. And so then I guess they assume like okay well or a death metal band because that's what the majority of like American chicks are doing with metal. Yeah. And so then it's like, well she's not growling, so it's like, well what is this? <laughs> so <laughs> I think that there's like just an apprehension in how unfamiliar we come across that takes. I think the first wave of people that were into oceans clearly had outside influences for their music repertoire. Let's say of. uh listening, um, like outside of metal. Yeah. And then, but now slowly there's more, I think, understanding or connection within metal of just like, I'm literally just singing clean. Like I'm not really going out of my way to like sound super jazzy or something. My influence and my, my style might come off, you know, a little bit more soul or a lot more soul, but it it's not like purpose. It's not like on purpose, you know, this is just how I sing, but I lend myself to the songs in the appropriate way that it balances the song or it makes the song come to life that I think it just takes maybe a little bit more open-mindedness, but it it definitely lends itself to the listener that has a heart for that kind of passion and emotion in their music anyway, Right. which, you know, certain people are looking for more angst or looking just for more or fewer dimensions to what they're listening to. So, you know, I think that, overall, the idea is like, oh, it's a black, you know, someone's just telling you, it's like, well, it's a black woman fronting this metal band. You're like, well, what, with what? Like, like, what? <laughs> so, you know, as for whatever, I think, I think in general, that's how it kind of works against us at times, and especially far more so in America than overseas, um, because of, you know, our just history in general with everything. <laughs>
0: right, right.
1: It's, it's, So we're, we're so like climbing out of that, but you know we're not the first we're kind of we're kind of the first i feel like to the level of heaviness that our band has um with having a black female vocalist and be singing clean um there's skunk skunk anassi but their band wasn't quite as heavy um and then even jada jada smith's band got getting there but i think that they're I don't know if they're certain metal. They might be, right? Um, and and so you know, anytime that you're the, the kind of one of the first people to kind of try to pass, it's it's harder. So you know, we kind of we understand that. How do you go about
0: like balancing your influences to and with like what will be sort of without doing things that are. Trying, trying to cater too much to the metal crowd how do you put make that balance uh because you know like you were saying that there you know there was these bands ahead, had black front women but they weren't as heavy and a lot of times those bands still come off as maybe um like a heavy soul band maybe but you guys are just like straight up you guys are a metal band but you do have the soulful influence with your voice so how do you sort of balance you know what you want to do and then like what will still be accessible to the metal community
1: yeah i i thought about it a lot in the beginning um and so it it would be like a matter of inflection where I'm not gonna add a crazy run or some crazy tale to the end of something and I'm gonna I'm gonna let it be a little bit more straightforward and kinda of speak for itself. And and that looks fine. And but I feel like as we evolved and as people came to know more about the band and know more about me and knowing that background, then I feel like it was almost like they they wanted it from me. And it's like, Hey, could you you know, love I would love for you to go off on this or cover that or do this and so then it's like, Okay, so with this new album it was like, Well I'm not gonna hold anything back and I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda infuse it the way that I wanna infuse it and I'm gonna I'm gonna show the true depth of my influence and we'll see how it goes. And I don't think people have been like upset. Obviously we're doing a cover, I'm not like going all crazy jazzing <laughs> <dressing laughs> it up. <laughs> And so, you know, it's 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 a matter of, of giving the right essence to the song and doing the song the most justice. But but I do I do keep it in mind, you know, because while clean singing in metal is not a definitive characteristic of metal music, I think that obviously the vocals lend it's like you have to decide it's like do the vocals do the vocal and the vocalist make the genre of the song or does the music make the genre of the song? If I had a super if I was a male, let's say and I had a super country accent would our songs be considered country or would they still be metal? And so obviously the two have a balance between them, but I, I think to me, I weigh it like the music makes the genre. And so it's like our music very metal. And so regardless of how I sing on it, it's still a metal song. Um, and so that's kind of how I approach it. You know, I, I, I'm not going to embellish or do something over the top for the sake of doing it, but if it lends itself to the song, then I'm not going to hold back.
0: Right. 2020 has been a hell of a year man there's so like we have a global pandemic um we have um nationwide even you know worldwide protests um black lives matter protests that movement um and even those things have spawned other things in regards to um you know sexual abuse and whatnot like what you know? What does this album mean to you? You know, releasing it during these times.
1: Well, it's it's been quite incredible. I think you know we wrote this album like a little over a year ago, and when Dauber and I talked about it, it was you know we've been watching a lot of History Channel. We we stay pretty well read, and he he's a big history buff, so he just introduces me to all sorts of things and. And finding out certain aspects and kind of societal changes, they were weighed heavy on me. And and he's like, well, you know, we can kind of fit them into the album. We can, you know, let all of this, he wanted it to inspire me. So he shows me these things. He shows me these terrible things because they inspired me. (laughs) And so when I wrote the album, it was with kind very much. So he's like, let's explore how you feel as a black woman in metal and how you feel as a black woman in America. And, that's the tone and and underlying motive of what went into writing the song not knowing that you know everything was gonna open up the way that it did but it it's it's like one of those things like those those frequencies were there and those cracks were there but i think at some point of course they were gonna like bust open and it just happened to be now and it it's a a double-edged sword the relevancy that we feel like this album has for what's going on and how much anger and true action is like behind them now. So it's, it's, it weighs on me. Like it definitely makes me think about like, A, like was I far too aggressive in that song given that people like are actually setting things on fire now? (laughs) Or is it like, you know, did I, what is the metaphor? And it's like, I I want to always be careful with my words. Yeah. Um, And so it just ultimately is deciding. It's like, do I mind adding fuel to this fire? And it's kind of like, no, I don't. But it's like, I want to make sure that if it needs to have an idea of hope and a message of, of constructive action behind it, that I can also formulate that out of these songs. And I, I think that I can, and that makes me feel better about ultimately how the album turned out. Like, content-wise.
0: Do you feel like, you know, these songs, you know, have a bit of a a new meaning with uh, the times that we're going through right now?
1: Yeah. The songs always change. Like, that was something new to me whenever I, like, made albums with Oceans that when I write the song, it means one thing. A year or less later when we perform it, it feels different. It means this. And then even further from that, it means something else that when I wrote these songs, the how they felt was like secretive, and it and it was like this thing that wasn't getting enough attention, and these these feelings that weren't getting enough validation, and now they feel so much louder, like they feel so much grander and so much more expansive and angry, and it's just a weird feeling to have towards the song so soon and you know with it with it being released it's it's just the impact i feel could yeah, hopefully it's like it's, it'll really connect with people
0: one of like the major thing things during this uh current you know, uh, black lives matter movement is been that uh, idea of do the work you know research the history why you know black folks you know feel the way they feel um, in regards to just the band itself, how has that worked out during your time with Oceans of Slumber? You know, has there been any times when you've had to have open discussions about your experiences compared to the rest of the band?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've gotten asked a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff, and then I've been very obviously talking shit all night. So it's, <laughs> you know, I don't really shy away from the impact that I feel like these movements. Uh, have with our new lineup more so you know they're all men of color <laughs> you know Tur- uh, Tamir Turkish and uh, Zan and and Jesse are um, Latin and so you know it's it's different to have
0: it's like all these different play- you know people that have different experiences
1: yeah and then Matt too he's Mexican and so we have we have this. This they obviously can understand to a certain extent. You know how I feel um, being at the forefront of the band. I, you know, I just get asked more questions. <laughs> but it, it it's been, you know, I I struggle with taking action. I feel very um, inhibited right now because of the coronavirus. Like I literally can't go and do the things that I want to. As far as uh, getting involved. Yeah. Um, because, you know, my take, and Daughter and I talked about it a lot, is starting locally. And my big thing is helping children transition through this time and helping that next generation of all children, but especially children of color, to be mindful and to make the, the necessary steps to be what everybody wants now. You know, and it's like it's going to take time and it's going to take generations. And so, you know, I, I've been anxious to get out and help. We have a lot of great programs here in Houston. Um, there's a place that I used to go to after my dad died, but it's a, it's like a grief ca- family grief counseling. And they, they help with, they have like big groups for kids to go and hang out and talk about their grief and do different activities. And it's been a um, passion of mine to, to go back and facilitate these because it's through volunteers like facilitate some of these meetings and things um and kind of just help these kids and obviously through music and things like that but to go and like be there with them so obviously in Houston right now everything's shut down and kind of closed off but I think it's, it's absolutely been I, I feel like there's understanding around me but in trying to take actions and and like get through, filter through all the misinformation and amounts of information can be incredibly frustrating.
0: Right, right. How do you sort of, like, take time for yourself, you know, self-care in, you know, just dealing with uh, the the pandemic, you know, being in this band, you know, what, what's your, your sort of way of, like, doing self-care?
1: I have not been doing very good self-care. <laughs> i have a new therapist so that's gonna be where that goes um i mean i at first just staying in i was like this is wonderful i'm thriving i don't have to talk to anybody and then it's like i'm not getting enough sunlight or social interactions and this is not i'm Same. turning into like golem <laughs> um and so dauber's like you need to get out of the house at least an hour a day and do all this stuff um we have our, our little girl over obviously it's those days are wonderful and she brings like a ray of sunshine into the house. But when she's not here, there's times and I'm like on my laptop and working and doing interviews and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if I've moved from under this blanket tent that I've made, but in, in not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, obviously for self care, I do know what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's like, you know, I, I, give yourself a routine, give yourself a schedule, stay hydrated. You're like a plant. Like don't let yourself like drink lots of water and then, you know, get outside, call, text, like make sure you're talking to people and then, you know, really be mindful of yourself think. Have a journal. It's like those those things work out, which I've not been doing. I don't even know how to what that means anymore.
0: Yeah, same. Like but, I used to like go do yoga on a regular basis. And now yeah. like, I tried to do yoga yesterday, and like my body was like, no, oh like, what? My, my body yeah. just like forgot how to do anything. Like, I was like, all right, I got to force myself to do this.
1: I, I loved hot yoga. I started going, and w- with all the stuff closing down, and I'm like, the last place, even though they kind of open, I don't know, they're still open, but I'm like, I'm not going to sit in like a hot box That people who <laughs> are meant to be breathing and then think I'm not going to. But so that's going to be the best idea. But I loved yoga. And then, yeah, I did it in the house a few times. We have a little tiny house right now or we're getting ready to move. And we have uh, all these animals. And they they definitely inhibit the yoga. I have to <laughs> find a room and lock them out. And then they howl and reach under the door. And I <laughs> feel like I'm killing them because they, they're so used to me being home. And they make it worse. I blame them because they, don't, they come sit on me and that's it. That's all. This is my day now.
0: <laughs> do I totally understand it? Totally understand that. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, you know, with this album, you know, what do you hope your listeners get out of listening to it?
1: I, I hope that it provides a bit of catharsis and validation for some of the frustrations that everyone's feeling. I think that where impulsive, reactionary kind of feelings pop up, that it's like. Find a good album, listen, write, rage, and then meditate on those actions that you want to take and see if they're still the ones that are going to be the most beneficial moving forward. It's like I hope that this album can be that moment of reflection but also give people a a satisfaction to those feelings that they have inside that they are not sure what to do with Um, because we interjected within all that anger and things that i put into it there are those portions of hope and of healing and of understanding that should be there so i hope that this album kind of provides that for people
0: nice nice all right it's been good talking with you cammy uh you know as we wrap things up you know what do you like uh you know things are so like up in the air in regards to the music industry right now um you have the new album out but like what do you hope you can be doing uh, in the future um, with this band or with yourself? You know, what, you know, do you have anything, any ideas just coming up?
1: We, um, you know, we're, 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 figuring it out. We're trying to obviously see what, what touring holds in the future. Um, I think obviously that's all very dependent on health circumstances, um, being more engaged online you know, the live Q and A's and things like that. Um, what, Dauber and I have another project called Genoa. Uh, that's kind of a answer for our folk country influences. Okay. Um, we're hopefully doing something with that soon, making it putting it out there and that album's done. Um, and then I have some writing that I've been working on. Um, figuring out how to put that out there and letting it go my problem is letting things go if i write i'll sit on all these these arts and these creations and then i'm like and no don't put them them out there so if i can get to the point of kind of making these things public then that's what i'm working on
0: right i was just uh, having a discussion with uh, with another music artist and um he comes from like uh more of a jazz background Does like you know hip-hop like soul type stuff now um and he he was telling me how one of the you know best pieces of advice he got from someone was one of the biggest jobs as a a music artist is to finish
1: yeah (laughs) yes like i know i understand that deeply in my soul (laughs) that i am it's like not it's not procrastinating it's like a fear of completion or like a fear of it's, it's like you want it to be perfect and it's like just finish it i get that all the time like i tell daughters, like not done yet he's like finish it and i'm all it's not perfect he's like just finish it and I'm like let's go from there and it's all i can't <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, really, I really understand that
0: oh good well it was great talking with you cammy i really dig the, the new album it's the uh, self-titled album from oceans of slumber um, out now via Century Media Records. Uh, where can people go online to get more information about you and the band and everything that's going on?
1: Um, I would say Face is probably the best place for up-to-date and relevant information. Um, we have a website, but you know, somebody, me, doesn't update it as much as they should. Um, and then Instagram. But, you know, write, write the band. where It's me and Dauber that reply all the time, so... We're, we're
0: available for chat team. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Fraser, and powered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com, and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E. E V E O dot Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash the word. For more information about Fresh is the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshisthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the Word.